Welcome to Private Club Radio, the industry's first and only program dedicated to education, news, events, trends and announcements. Broadcasting from Tampa, Florida, ladies and gentlemen, here is your host, Gabriel Aloisi. So excited to be with you once again here on Private Club Radio. This week I have an awesome, incredibly intelligent and talented guest for you, Jackie Carpenter. She's the editor of Private Club Advisor. Jackie and I are going to discuss the idea of the club being the third place. You know, you've got your home, you've got your work, and you've got that third place you like to hang out. So what can you do to make your club not just a place that members occasionally have a meal, but a place to hang out and relax on a daily basis? Jackie just gives us some fantastic tips. She covers trends from every area of the club, from golf to fitness to food and beverage to programs and activities and everything in between. Jackie's advice is so good that a few times during the episode, you'll actually hear me say, wow, the word just slipped out of my mouth unconsciously because the insights were that good. I literally had aha moments throughout the show. I think you will too. Before we get into Jackie's interview, just a few announcements. First, from the Club Managers Association of America, they are proud to announce their Chapter of the Year Award recipients. These chapters excelled in membership operations, recruitment, and educational programming in 2015. And these chapters are going to get a $3,000 education grant funded by the Club Foundation awarded to each of these three chapters. Alabama, they are the winner of the Small Chapter of the Year Award. Next, the Upper Midwest wins the Medium Chapter of the Year. And my home state, I'm proud to say Florida, took home the Large Chapter of the Year Award. Congratulations to those chapters. And from the Association of Club Catering Professionals, registration is open for the 2016 ACCP National Conference. The conference this year is being held in Nashville, Tennessee from August 28th to the 30th. Information and registration is on the ACCP website. Visit them at theaccp.com. All right, buckle your seatbelts. Jackie is up next. Private Club Radio is brought to you by Shake Creative, the premier marketing and design firm helping prestigious clubs increase and retain their membership. Visit shaketampa.com to learn more. I'm joined today by Jackie Carpenter. She is the editor of Private Club Advisor. Jackie Carpenter started working in the hospitality industry at age 13, and she has been in the club industry for almost 14 years. She graduated from Iowa State University with a degree in hospitality management and has worked at four elite private clubs throughout her career. Jackie was an intern at Cordillera in Edwards, Colorado, and the clubhouse manager at Wakanda Club in Des Moines, Iowa, Dallas Country Club in Dallas, Texas, and the Nashville City Club in Nashville, Tennessee. Jackie earned her master's degree in hospitality management from the University of North Texas and also taught undergraduate classes to hospitality students. In 2010, Jackie received her CCM and achieved this as one of the youngest professionals to earn this designation. Jackie, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much, Gabe. I'm delighted to be here today. It's great to have you. All right. So Jackie, as editor of the Private Club Advisor, you've probably seen it all. 
Can you give us a snapshot of the private club industry from your perspective? Sure. Well, uh, it's it's really an interesting and exciting time in the club industry. Um, what we're seeing, Gabe, is that clubs really have to kind of constantly evolve in order to stay relevant. Uh, and change is happening faster and faster in the world. So clubs really have to continue to keep up to in order to keep their members um, happy as well as attract prospective members. In fact, I remember um, a couple of years ago at the CMAA World Conference, um, I was fortunate enough to hear um, a famous futurist speak. Um, his name is David Houle, and he's written several books and is kind of a, a well-known professional speaker. And he shared with the club managers in the audience that from 2010 to 2020 would be a transformational decade. And that means that as much change would take place in those 10 years as did the previous 100 years. Wow. So essentially, we were going to cram 100 years of change into 10 years. And here we are, you know, at 2016, kind of right smack in the middle um, of that time frame. And you really can tell, you know, how fast things are changing with, you know, the rapid nature of phone, our um, smartphones changing and, and all the different kind of technology that's really coming into play. And so clubs just really have to kind of constantly evolve and adapt and continue to change. And so... We're seeing offerings and activities that are really going beyond um, what's seen as like traditional club activities or things that we maybe looked at what was traditional for clubs of the past. And this is going for all types of clubs, whether, you know, city clubs are offering new amenities, yacht clubs are trying to evolve. Um, everybody's really trying to add value and offer more to compete for members' time. Um, and the time is what is the challenge, right, Gabe? Like everybody's kind of, you know, time. Nobody has enough of it. And so everybody's really um, kind of running in circles there trying to make it where their club fits as a piece where it's easy for members to come and utilize the club and, and make it easy for members to do business with them. And what I mean by do business with them is maybe it's something like offering credit card payment options, you know, to make it easy for members to pay their bill um, or whether it's making the website easier to navigate or actually taking it to be mobile friendly um, so members can make reservations on their cell phones or whatever, um, using social media um, to connect with members or or communicating with members the way that they want to be communicated with. So it's really finding ways to weave the club into members' lifestyles without making it feel like the club is one more thing they have to do, right? We're not going to make our members happy if they feel like, oh, we have to go have dinner at the club because we're paying, you know, dues for this, or we have to, you know, attend at least one event every six months because we're paying for it and we better do it. Right. Instead, it's really making the club um, really part of their life. Time is such a valuable commodity. You're right. Time is an absolutely, is, is probably the most valuable commodity and currency of our time. It really is. And it's hard because, you know, again, even with an operate from an operation standpoint of, you know, the, pe the people working at the clubs, right? Like we're struggling for our time too, because there's so it seems like everybody's trying to do more with less, right? Um, and in fact, um, Gabe, I'll share something interesting that I read um, in a, a recent article the McMahon Group put out. Uh, they encouraged clubs to become the third place. And at first, it kind of hit me funny, and I kind of uh, had to reread it. But it was quite brilliant what they said. And, and the reason for this is they said clubs should become the third place that members want to go. It's not their home. It's not work. 
but it's where they go to hang out. And that's for all ages and everybody in the whole family is mm-hmm. to really have a place that members can go to hang out. And um, Bill McMahon Jr. actually uh, put a, did a little article as well, and we included this in our newsletter, but said essentially that clubs are not member-friendly in today's society because typically um, members have to go to the club like to do something. You go to play golf or you go to work out or you go to the club for dinner or you go to play tennis um, or you go to an event, but you don't just go to the club like you would go to Starbucks and you'll kill an hour and a half between meetings or whatever, and you could go and sit on your laptop and, and have a cup of coffee and, you know, chit-chat with friends. Um, you probably wouldn't do that at your club. And so his advice was really to embrace the technology, not ban it, which tends to happen sometimes at clubs, um, and really provide a casual and relaxing atmosphere with an unrestricted dress code um, to make it easy for members and their families to really kind of hang out in any kind of attire, utilize their electronic devices, um, and have that opportunity to really socialize with others. I'm totally with you on this, by the way, because I, I'm. Isn't I'm, that a cool concept? I'm a millennial, but here's my question for you. So, that I'd love a club like that, and I love the the idea of it being the Starbucks of the of of your life, right? Um, and mm-hmm. I, I think that's sure. completely valid. What do we do? What do we say to the more established members, though, that still want things run the, the way it used to be, and 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 are kind of resistant to that change? Absolutely. And that's always the struggle, you know, and, and, and that's, that's what's hard. And a lot of the times, the reasons why, you know, clubs don't uh, implement different, you know, aspects like that or create these cyber lounges because older members do um, kind of struggle with that. But I think it's really educating them. And again, you know, maybe it's that there's an area of the club that, you know, can be sort of the Starbucks-like thing, but then there's still an area of the club that is the more traditional, maybe dining area or kind of, you know, still has some of those traditional features. Um, but it's just sort of adapting and changing. I'm not saying that they should, you know, wipe yeah. out the whole club and make the whole club like Starbucks. <laughs> right? um, but it's just sort of implementing those things wherever they can to kind of attract um, and, and evolve, you know, to continue to, to um, offer different amenities for people to be able to really have a variety of options at their club. I think that's great. Uh, I know the St. Petersburg Yacht Club here near me, they have a separate dining room for the older members. And there's a much different mm. dress code there. You have to wear a jacket and that sort of thing. And there's another dining room that's for the for the younger members. And I think that's a great way to do it. More options exactly. there, the better. I, I do love this idea like of the, of having this, this space. So what are some other ideas you can give us on actually creating that, that kind of atmosphere in your club? Absolutely. Well, one of, you know, the key thing is uh, mobile, right? Everybody, I mean, our cell phones are an extension of our body. So that's not banning that. I mean, I don't know about you, Gabe. I'm a millennial also. Um, I wouldn't go anywhere where I couldn't have my cell phone. I mean, you know, whether it's, you know, to check my email or to touch with my family or, you know, my kids or whatever, like I, I, I wouldn't want that. And so just really looking at, you know, hey, are we making it easy for members to want to use our club? And if we're not, you know, allowing them to have their phones or or have their laptops or, you know, iPads or whatever out you know, what kind of message are we really sending? Are we basically telling our members <laughs> we don't want them to come to the club? Um, and again, maybe not in all areas of the club, but in certain areas of the club, these things are welcome. Um, relaxed dress codes are a huge issue. Um, and by issue, I mean, you know, struggle again with clubs 
today? Should we allow jeans? Do we not allow jeans? You know, how does that work? Um, yoga pants was kind of, you know, the latest trend that yep. um, and it's super comfortable and, and people are wearing those. And, and the thing about it is that it has to be convenient for your members to come to the club. And so if they can't come, like, you know, after their soccer game in, you know, shorts and T-shirts and whatever, if they can't come out to the club and have lunch on a Sunday afternoon in casual attire, then they're probably going somewhere else. And so what can we do to provide these opportunities? Um, you know, again, maybe it is something like Starbucks, but there's, you know, a variety of menu items that would appease the whole family. And you can come in there in casual, you know, yoga pants and soccer uniforms. We don't care. We just want you to come and use the club. Wow. So those are probably the two biggest things I would say, um, Gabe, are really important. And then, and then also with that is... Um, simplicity and really kind of reducing members' pain points. And I know that sounds silly. And sometimes, again, as you know, operators or people that work in clubs, sometimes we think that it's easy for members to utilize club or or to utilize different aspects. Or we think, oh yeah, you know, you just go on the website and you click here and here and here and here, and then you enter in your information and that boom, there you go, you got your reservation. But in reality. How easy is it for your members to do business with your club and really reducing those member pain points and making it easy, um, easy as possible for members to really get to know each other, you know, to, to know what's going on club, um, to be able to utilize facilities and amenities and different things. Um, sometimes I think we really have to be careful about that because, again, as a, as a staff member or something, we think it's really easy, but it, it really might not be from a user standpoint. Sure. Absolutely. Well, I want to talk to you about trends now. So okay, <laughs> we're going to cover kind of all the departments that are in a club, all the areas of the club. Let's first start with golf. What are the trends you see in the golf world? Yeah. So, well, um, golf is funny because it's sort of seen as um, <laughs> the rich man's game. And so sometimes the media can be really hard on it and say, oh my gosh, it's dying. And, you know, every, all the golf courses are going under and all these kinds of things. And the experts really say, you know, it's not as ever as bad as they really make it sound, but it is on the decline because it's expensive and, you know, you need a lot of equipment to play. Um, there's a lot of rules, there's the, you know, dress code. And again, we're back to this time factor. You know, it takes a long time to go and play around in golf and people are just busier. They don't have, you know, four or five hours to go to the club and to play around of golf the way that they used to. And so the industry is really trying to reinvent and find ways um, to attract and engage new and, and younger players to the game, make it a little easier, again, to kind of weave golf into people's lifestyles again. Um, and so a couple cool kind of fun things that are happening. Um, Gabe, have you heard of golf boards? I haven't heard of that. No, tell me about it. Okay. <laughs> so essentially it's kind of like skateboard um, with a motor. Oh, no, and, I have seen this. Uh, I saw this at uh, in Massachusetts have? at the Black Rock Country Club. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was really cool. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's it's really neat. Yeah, but, they look, but tell our listeners about it. I can't wait it. to try one. Yeah, yeah sure. I can't wait to try one. They look really neat. But essentially, it's like a skateboard with a motor on it that you can hook your uh, golf bag to, and uh, you use that instead of a golf cart. And so um, it's intended to just sort of be something kind of cool and fun. It's pretty safe. I mean, really, um, it's better for the grass and everything on the course. It's um, eco-friendly and um, kind of 
in, incorporate like your whole body into it. Whereas like versus just sitting in a golf cart, um, you're kind of using all of your core muscles and stuff as you're sort of maneuvering um, the golf board. But it, it just, it's something new and exciting and just sort of intended to kind of dr- get some buzz back in the game of golf or make people excited about wanting to go out and play golf because they want to you know, try out a golf board. Right? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why I like it. So it's like a segue. If if you haven't seen one of these things, it's a segue meets a skateboard. But what I love about it is instead of my playing partner having to go to all his errant shots out in the woods and driving around to find his ball, I can just go to my ball and play it. <laughs> That's a good point. That's totally true. You can kind of do your own thing. Yep. <laughs> So those are one place and not that clubs are, you know, wiping out their whole fleet of golf carts and getting all golf board gig, but a lot of clubs are getting, you know, 10 or 20, um, that they'll have available. So if a member wants to, you know, jump on one of those and go out and play golf instead of using a golf cart, they can do that. So it's nice to have that option. option. I love options. I'm a big options guy. Yep, (laughs) exactly. It's very, well, it's fun. You know, there might be days where you don't really want to do the golf board thing. You'd rather have a cart, but we can, you know, it's a fun new uh, thing to try. So, um, and then disc golf and foot golf. So disc golf is kind of like golf, you know, basically you have a disc, um, foot golf is where you use a soccer ball, uh, and you kick the ball, you know, to the, to the pin. Um, and, uh, these options are, you know, we're, we're seeing some clubs that have maybe like 36 holes or something. They're transitioning nine or 18 holes into a disc golf, you know, course or a foot golf course to just kind of change things up. Because again, if people aren't playing as much golf, you know, then you have these maintenance costs and the, you know, tremendous costs to keep things looking great and all that kind of stuff. And with disc golf and foot golf, it's less expensive to maintain the course. You don't really need a bunch of equipment to play. Um, there's also a fitness component in, incorporated in that. So again, just kind of changing it up and making it um, a little more interesting for people. Um, then a, a little while ago, but probably about a year ago, um, larger cups, meaning uh, where you, you know the little cups you hit the ball into, um, making those bigger like 10 inches or so, um, 10 to 15 inches, I guess, was kind of like the um, span. Um, that was really hot for a while. And people were kind of talking like that might really uh, take off in the industry because it just made the game a little bit more fun. It was less stressful, you know, cutting and not aiming for this little bitty hole, but a bigger hole <laughs> to kind of go. And it also that the, the pace of play, um, but hasn't, I don't think that's really taken off, um, as much as they anticipated. I'm sure there are still courses that are doing that, but, um, that's just an option for people. And then also relaxing the dress code on the courses is something, you know, some courses are trying just to, again, kind of make it a little bit more flexible, a little less rigid and easier for people to want to come out and play. Um, music of course is something that's kind of hot right now um as some courses are actually uh, renting like little jaw bones or little boxes or whatever um letting members take them out on the course so they can just sync their phones to them and play music in their cart uh out on the course and so uh, again just incorporating some fun but what we're really seeing is a huge emphasis on practice facilities. And again, comes back to the time factor is that if people don't have time to go play four hours of golf, um, they may have time to go hit balls for 45 minutes or go work in the practice facility for an hour. And so um, areas like Top Golf, Gabe, I assume you're familiar with Top Golf. Yes, we have one in Brandon yeah. n- nearby to me here in Tampa. Yeah. Okay. 
Cool. So Top Golf has kind of um, become like what bowling used to be. Uh, maybe right. bowling still is. I don't know. <laughs> bowling is not popular anymore, but like bowling in the evening where, you know, there's drinks and food and socialization and TVs and things like that. But there's also this golf component uh, incorporated in there as well and can be available in all weather conditions. So the practice facilities is something that we're really seeing a lot of clubs um, invest in and trying to kind of evolve and adapt or building uh, indoor hitting facilities or whatever to, to um, make that option much more year round. Um, and then the last that I would just really say about, you know, trends in golf is that con- conserving water and conservation has been a major focus. And I think that will only continue in the years ahead. Um, and so not just with irrigation, but some clubs are moving um, o- towards only watering like tees and greens and fairways and then leaving the rest of the course um, in its natural state or in kind of, you know, the rough is brown, not watering that or whatever to just kind of um, really conserve water and, and be more conscientious that way. Oh, all great things. I, I, I knew you were on the pulse of all this stuff. How about <laughs> lots of stuff? <laughs> how about the world of uh, fitness and wellness? What are some of the trends you see happening there? Well, uh, interestingly, and I think sometimes, Gabe, that um, clubs can kind of get confused by this fitness wellness uh, concept. And what I mean by that is um, wellness and fitness are different. So sometimes I'm afraid clubs look at it and go, oh, yeah, we have a fitness center. We have wellness. No problem. And the reality reality is those are kind of different. Mm-hmm. So just because you have a fitness center doesn't mean you have wellness. And because wellness is more mind, body, and spirit, and, and body, obviously, is the fitness component, but you're missing two of the other elements there. So mm-hmm. fitness, uh, we'll kind of talk about first. Um, is really about incorporating all ages and bringing teens and children into that. Um, nice. We're seeing uh, that, yeah, it's really becoming popular. We're seeing like group exercise classes um, for kids and teens. So yoga or Pilates or, um, you know, Tai Chi or whatever for kids um, being incorporated with different aspects of fitness as well. Um, there's sort of this trend right now towards less equipment and more towards like ropes or weights and bands and balls and things like that. Um, but then, you know, it's making sure that you have enough space for members to be able to utilize those things, you know, and it's not just equipment wall to wall. Right. Right. Um, there's a new concept out there. Uh, have you heard of Z health? I haven't heard of that either. Okay, um, so Z Health is is kind of um, gained some popularity the last couple of years, and I think it's really going to take off uh, here soon. Like because it is this very uh, wellness focused concept, but essentially what it is is like remapping your brain um, and getting it getting your body to function at the highest level possible. And so you do different drills and movements to that you wouldn't normally do like in your normal life. Um, meaning like you would do full circles with your fingers or, you know, move your arms in these full circles, um, to get to like retrain your brain, but it's very preventative. And so the whole purpose is, um, you know, you're preventing injuries, you're preventing disease, you're preventing, um, you know, obesity and whatever, um, because you're doing all of these things now. So anyway, kind of a cool concept, um, group exercise for all ages. I know I said kids before, but you know, yoga, Pilates, spinning, those types of things are really popular. Um, and then also adding like other activities to the fitness component. And this is maybe where the wellness piece kind of ties in. Um, but things such as like hiking, biking, um, having 5Ks, 
uh, we're seeing kickball, like family kickball is sort of a component because there is a fitness piece, but obviously it's still very fun, you know, and, and incorporating that into it. Um, but wellness is certainly a trend that's not going away anytime soon. Um, if anything, it's only going to gain popularity in the future. And so um, members really want wellness that fits into their lifestyle and can kind of incorporate this in all areas. But um, clubs, we're really seeing that clubs are uh, engaging wellness and incorporating that like into golf and into tennis and, you know, kind of cross uh cross-utilization of departments, I guess you could say, and really kind of combining that in for everybody. But the big hot-button thing right now is is really incorporating kids and teens as well, um, where sometimes I think clubs kind of miss the boat on that. We really focus on adults, and we sort of skip the kids and the teens. So it's definitely coming, going to be more and more popular this year. I like that because if you're going to build a culture in your club like you talked about earlier in this discussion – I mean, the, the kids and the teens are the next members. So if you can get them to the yeah. club, enjoying it, hanging out, I mean, that that's going to help your club in the long run in terms of its its longevity. So excellent, yeah, excellent. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to uh, food and beverage. What are some of the trends you see in the food and beverage world? Um, well, uh, you know, locally grown farm to table, everybody probably knows that one because that one's been around while, but that one's going to continue to be uh, popular and something that's important to people. Um, but then again, kind of coming back to this non-traditional uh, format and, and incorporating new aspects for clubs, um, we're seeing things like um, clubs having goats on property wow. uh, to, to utilize for goat cheese. And so serving the goat cheese in the you know club restaurant but tying it back to, yep, these are from our goats that we have here on our property. It probably um, saves the, the ma- maintenance gardens. crew from cutting every once in a while, too. <laughs> it's like a dual yeah, purpose, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> Might take some greenskeepers' jobs away. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, exactly. Uh, and then things such as, like, herb gardens or real gardens on property um, where, you know, staff can say, you know, the chef can say, yep, these are our carrots from our garden or, yep, this chives fresh from our herb garden or whatever, and really um, incorporating those kinds of things. So bringing sort of that locally grown feature right to your club. Um, And then farmers markets are super popular. Um, You know, if your club can't do those on a regular basis or, you know, I don't think it would be super complicated to arrange to have um, some local vendors so you can have your own farmers market at your club, maybe in your club parking lot or whatever, or maybe you arrange a, you know, shuttle from the club to the farmer's market or whatever, but those are real popular. Um, providing the story behind the food. Everybody wants to know, like, okay, my steak, you know, what farm did this cow come from? And, mm-hmm. you know, what did it eat? And how did it get here? And, you know, that whole thing. It's really that story piece. Um, and so clubs can really do a great job of kind of, uh, you know, talking about the food and that they're maybe educating their servers or, or having their chef come out and tell the story about, you know, yeah, these strawberries are from, you know, this local farm and here's how this, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, um, obviously healthier options is a big, uh, key piece, um, smaller portions, or at least offering an option for a smaller portion. Um, something that's interesting, Gabe, I'll share about kids menus. Obviously 
there's this trend towards, you know, healthier kids menus and that's been around for a little while where, you know, parents finally said, Hey, <laughs> we don't mm-hmm. need to only feed my kid chicken fingers and French fries. Can we have some other options? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, exactly. Right. Um, and so there's actually a really famous chef, uh, from New York city that wrote this whole article. And I, I included an article in one of our publications about this a few months ago, but, um, he encouraged uh, restaurants and, and places to get rid of their kids' menu. And his whole reasoning was we're, we're teaching kids how to eat uh, badly. I mean, when we're only giving them, you know, chicken fingers and French fries or macaroni and cheese and pizza as their options, uh, we're really limiting what, you know, is available to them. And so his point was to get rid of the kids' menu and instead offer um, kid-sized portions of the regular menu items. So kids could literally order off of the menu, but say, nope, I want the kid-sized portion of the, you know, lasagna or the kid-sized portion of the chicken piccata or whatever that may be. Um, And I thought that was kind of smart and really interesting kind of way to look at that. That's a great idea because I'm I'm totally with, with you guys on that. It's always chicken fingers, mac and cheese, like a pizza. It's like the least healthiest fried foods that you could imagine are on the kid's menu. And I have a two and a half year old. He's almost three, actually. And Uh we never, we, well, the portions are big enough to begin with (laughs) that you generally get at a restaurant or from a, you know, from a dining area. So, you know, me and my wife, we order, we order, you know, plates for ourselves and then just pick off the things that he'll eat. And then we make a little plate for him because <laughs> it's actually healthy right. food. So yeah, I love that. I think that's a great exactly. idea. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of, well, I guess I left out the beverage component. The beverage component just is that locally crafted beer is really popular and pairing beer with menu items, not just wine, like, you know, we're used to seeing, but really incorporating. And again, telling the story behind the beer and where it came from. Um, but the big kind of overlying thing, Gabe, with food and beverage is that members still want speedy service, whether it's formal dining, casual dining, whatever. They still want, uh, they kind of have this mindset of in and out. You know, we don't want to sit and wait for our food. We want dinner to be an hour or less, um, especially if you have a two and a half year old, yep. <laughs> uh, especially with kids. But that's sort of the mindset. And so, you know, we kind of have to be careful with clubs that, that we don't get into. Oh, no, this is formal dining. You know, we want it to take this long and whatever. Um, that's not really the case. So keeping things kind of speedy. Yeah, I think the the rest of the diners would also appreciate it if the parents of young children ate within an hour or less. <laughs> that's about max, no, no, no. maximum Take capacity. Take care of them first, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, my, my son has a, a loud vocal cords. So I'll leave it at that. Um, all right, so let's move on to programming and activities. What are some of the trends you see happening with programming activities at private clubs? Absolutely. Well, again, this concept, Gabe, of again, you know, kind of going beyond what has been traditional club activities. And and for some clubs, that's hard, you know, to break out of that sort of mold or whatever. But recreational activities are really on the rise. And um, that's because of the active and the social component that goes along with those. So there's definitely an industry-wide trend towards more diverse and inclusive recreation. Um, And one of the reasons that that um, is really becoming more more popular is that older members are more active than they used to be. I mean, you know, if you think about it, members aren't retiring and coming out and only playing cards at the club. You know, they want to be engaged in it and active as well. Um, and so even though recreational activities is kind of um, on the rise for all ages, but the, the older members are the ones kind of really driving this. So, you know, pickleball, paddleball, squash, bocce, croquet, even ping pong. 
Um, they're not super huge investments for clubs, you know, maybe a couple hundred dollars and you can incorporate these different kinds of activities into the club. Um, but they're, they're fun. People can be out socializing. Um, and it's really about, um, having fun and connecting while being entertained. And that's the case for all ages. So we're also seeing clubs, um, you know, that kind of um, that don't maybe have opportunities to incorporate some of these activities on the property, but offering off-property options like hiking or biking, shooting, sailing, kind of depending on what's popular in the community, um, is really incorporating those things. So they may have say, hey, for our members, every Thursday at one o'clock, we're going to meet at you know, such and such park, and we're going to go for a hike. Or, you know, on Saturday, we're going to have a biking, you know, day or family biking day, and we're all going to meet here, and we're going to go for a biking thing, and the club will provide, you know, beverages and food afterwards or whatever. But sort of thinking outside of the box with these sort of things. So if we boil down everything for the listeners, I, I hear three concepts, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I hear three concepts that are really important and really trending. Time being the most critical uh, piece that you need to be aware of time in people's lives, a holistic approach and telling a story, good storytelling. Those are the three things that seem to be trending for me, at least uh, across all, all these uh, different departments that we've spoken about. Absolutely. Yeah. Great job. That was a perfect kind of a summary of that. Really. It really is. And so it's just kind of figuring out ways to incorporate those things into everything that we're doing at our club. Um, to, to really make us, again, coming to that word, relevant and really staying, you know, at the top of our members' minds. Well, I'm glad you said the word relevant. So what advice do you have for clubs to, to evolve and stay relevant? Yeah, well, having worked in the club industry for a long time <laughs> at an actual club, um, I, I guess my advice, Gabe, would just be, I think sometimes at clubs we can really fall into this trap of, we can't do this or we can't do that or, oh, we, you know, we're a city club. We don't have any space to have a garden or, you know, we can't have goats. Or whatever. Right. <laughs> it's sort of this, so we don't have anyone to facilitate it or we can't afford to do that or whatever. And, and I would just challenge, um, you know, clubs to, to really look at what can we do? So, yeah, you might not be able to build a huge herb garden, you know, out uh, on your property somewhere. But do you think you could buy some planter boxes or have somebody build, you know, a 10 by 10 foot? planter box where you could plant some mint and some herb, you know, some chives and, you know, a few other little things, some oregano, and then put that on your menu that that stuff came from the club's herb garden. More than likely, every club could do that. Or, you know, if you can't have your own garden on property or your goats um, there, (laughs) then maybe there's a way that you can um, arrange for, uh, you know, some local vendors to come out and have a little farmer's market in the, in the club's parking lot, you know, once a season or twice a season or whatever. Um, but it's just, it's getting over that hump of what we can and really looking at it as, Hey, what we can do. So, Oh, we can't offer, you know, hiking and biking. We don't have any space, but we do have, you know, a recreational park just a couple blocks away. Hey, let's have a family kickball day over there. You know, we can work out an agreement with them that we can you know, rent that space or utilize that, that field for the afternoon. And we can go have a club, a uh, family kickball tournament, but it's not at the club, right? So just really thinking outside the box, coming up with ways to, um, to, to offer some cool stuff 
but not getting in our own way of saying we can't, we can't, we can't, if that makes sense. That's such great advice. I think I'm going to actually make a, a meme for you, Jackie. And it's going to be focus on can do's. That's what it's going to say. And I'll put that up. Oh, I'll put I that like up for that. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> All right. So let's change gears a little bit. I really want to hear about the Private Club Advisor. The publication's actually been around since 1990. Um, I have been the editor for about three years now. And um, I still work with the founding editor, um, Eldon Miller, who, who started it back in 1990. And kind of the reason that it came about, Gabe, was because um, there are there felt like there was a need to really provide education and information to club executives. And so whether that was general managers, board members, owners, et cetera, um, because it seemed like, you know, again, this sort of constant uh, change and all of these things happening and sort of a way to stay up to date on all these things. So um, so the private club advisor, essentially, we try to keep our, our thumb, our, you know, our pulse on the industry and sort of what's happening and um, it's a monthly publication that goes out to, like I said, board board members, owners, operators, general managers of private clubs. Um, and we cover all aspects of the club industry, really, um, talking about best practices, um, re- governmental regulations, industry trends, things like that, um, things that are really happening. But what's different about our publication is that it's only four pages long. Um, it's kind of old school in its appearance, and it's that way on purpose because there's no pictures, there's no fluff, there's no, you know, 17 pages of ads. It's right. literally just content. And so it's kind of right snapshot. You can read it in 15 or 20 minutes and get the whole, you know, snapshot. But it's great information that you can take back to your club and really make some informed decisions. So we look at it as sort of support or backup even for like general managers to take to their boards to say, hey, you know, this is what we need to know and here's why, you know, here's some industry research um, and support on that. So so hopefully that makes sense. And then we also have, um, so that's the private club advisor, our monthly publication. We also have a bi-monthly publication um, that goes out just to general managers and management teams called PCA+. Plus. And that one's more focused on specific operations of clubs, again, more written for management teams and general managers. So that one's more operationally focused, where the private club advisor is more um, high level, you know, club executive kind of the focus. What's it cost to subscribe to a publication like this? Yeah, for one copy um, of the publication, it's $159 annually, and that's just for the private club advisor. Um, if you want to get plus as well, that one's about $67 a year. So for give or take, you know, 200 and some dollars, you can have, um, you know, both publications, one copy. Um, but we also have options for um, a club package where you can get up to 10 copies sent to your club. And then something that we do that's kind of cool as well, Gabe, is we also have a director's package. So if you want our publication sent directly to your board members' homes or offices, um, we can do that as well. So we've got a couple different um, subscription options to kind of make it easy for clubs to get the information, especially um, if they want to get that to their board members as well. That sounds great. And so for less than a dollar a day, they're going to have access to <laughs> yeah. this to the knowledge that you have and and the rest of the writers on the staff. And so it sounds like a quite a deal to me. Where do you where do folks actually subscribe? Absolutely. Well, I encourage them to go to our website. It's just www.privateclubadvisor.com. 
and advisor is O-R, not E-R. And so you just click on there. There's a little subscribe tab and um, lots of information. You can read a sample. Uh, There's a fun, goofy video of me uh, up there explaining the publication. (laughs) Uh, So it might entice some people to go check that out. But, um, but yeah, it's super easy to subscribe or you can always shoot me an email. My email is Jackie, J-A-C-K-I-E, at privateclubadvisor.com with any questions. Awesome, Jackie. I'm just going to wrap it up with a few last things. The first being the question that I ask all my guests, if there's one club that I have to see before I die, what is it? Well, I've had I've been blessed to be able to visit a number of very cool uh, clubs and get to see a variety of things. But one club that has a special, special place in my heart is Cordillera, uh, just outside of, of Vail um, in Edwards, Colorado. That's where I did my internship. And it's just an amazingly beautiful place. It's up in the mountains, and um, it's just spectacular. So if you ever have the opportunity to go there, I would absolutely encourage you to go and check it out because it's stellar. That's awesome. All right, Jackie. Mm -hmm. So last question. I know you do quite a lot of public speaking and you just did some trainings for the PCMA. Tell us about some of the things that you speak on. Yeah, sure. Um, So I just did a uh, PCMA webcast uh, on on 2016 trends. So kind of a a lengthier version of what we talked about today, uh, Gabe, kind of breaking it out even into more detail if that's possible. Um, (laughs) So I just did that. And then I love uh, some of the topics that I just love talking about um, are obviously trends and what's happening in the industry, uh, sort of this relevancy topic. And then I have a a special place in my heart for um, hiring and onboarding and training. So um, that's something we'll cover more briefly in our our publication, but uh, something that's very dear to my heart. So (laughs) Jackie, I, I enjoyed this episode so much. It's been wonderful talking with you. Thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you, Gabe. I uh, I don't know where the timeline it went too fast, but thank you. And thanks everybody for listening. This was a, a true pleasure. Have a good one, Jackie. Okay. Take care. Thanks, Gabe. So I feel like this show is a snowball and the momentum just keeps building and building. We've had some incredible guests and some lively discussions and the upcoming shows we have planned are taking it to yet another level. I'm so excited. You can probably hear it in my voice, but the next few shows are must listens. The interviews on this show are pre-recorded about a month out. So you'll just have to trust me when I say you need to come back the rest of this month and throughout April on March 21st. That's next week. We have Greg Patterson, former GM of the beach club. And when I talked to him, he was fresh off his retirement party just a couple days after that happened. Greg has so many golden nuggets from all his experience especially if you're a general manager or someone who someday wants to be a general manager of a private club, this is the advice you need to hear. On March 28th, Jason Becker, co-founder of Golf Life Navigators, will join us. Golf Life Navigators is a concierge-type service that matches potential private club members with clubs here in Florida, and now they're expanding across the country into some other areas like Scottsdale, Arizona. And there's just some really cool insights that Jason gives us because he's talking, he's on the pulse talking to potential members. And so we're going to see what it is that potential members actually want out of a club. It's a conversation you are not going to want to miss. And April is going to kick off with a bang. Jeff Morgan, the CEO of the Club Managers Association of America, is going to join us. I'm so excited to talk to him. And April 11th, Michael Crandall, author and speaker and former GM. 
he's going to give us what he calls his briefcase. And this is his insights from his years in the private club world of what it is that a good general manager needs to do and needs to know. You're going to want to come back and do me a favor. Tell your friends about Private Club Radio. They'll thank you for it. I promise. Until next week, here's to your membership success. Just because this round is over doesn't mean you can't enjoy the 19th hole. Check out privateclubradio.com for more.